Don, I got a tongue twister for you. Hit me with it. She sells horses by the seashore. She sells horses by the seashore. I don't. Is it harder? I don't. I think you need to add like an extra. Um. She sells seashells, horsey seashore. No. I feel like the Sally sells might be better if it was like Sally sell. Nah, I don't know. What if you train horsey to sea draw? She sells sea draw by the seashore. There we no, go. The, the, I feel like the D makes it easier though. Cedra. I don't know. But it but the Cedra at the beginning is better. Yes. She sells Cedra by the seashore. Also, why is she selling Cedra? No one sells Pokemon. Um Team Rocket. Oh yeah, or the game corner. Or like people on eBay with like gen versions of world champion teams. <laughs> or that. Lots of people yes. sell Pokemon. Anyway, so what did that excellent tongue twister have to do with the topic of our episode? I do wonder. We are talking in a very... I figured it's been a little bit since we've gone to the, the big blue wonder. Yes. A.K.A. the ocean. So I figured we could dip our toes back in that body of water. Because there's lots of funky little critters we haven't talked about, Don. Yes. Quite a few, actually. One of which we kind of clued in with that excellent, excellent work of punsmanship there, Chris. We've got mostly... This is kind of like a... Uh, a seahorse spotlight episode, but we've got uh, another special fish. I know this one's inspired by your battling, Don, the other one. Oh, yes, yes. I I'm, I do actually really like quillfish, and I hope to continue to use them occasionally at least. <laughs> All right, well. So it's pufferfish, which yeah. I'll talk about why quillfish is technically not a pufferfish. Spoilers for the episode, Don. Whoops. <laughs> All right, well, let's work our way onto that little glass shattering moment for our fans and let's go on to the science news i've got a bunch of facts don't worry so in science news we've got uh i think it was what like three maybe four episodes ago we talked about beavers yes well we have found another critter on this wonderful earth of ours well, actually, I guess we knew that it had metal-infused jaws, but we know a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So we, uh, I guess it was uh, Robert Schofield uh, out from the University of Oregon in Eugene and his colleagues uh, used a special microscope on leaf-cutting ants' jaws and found a little bit more, found out a little bit more about the, the zinc and manganese that make up their, their jaws. Don, what, what exactly was the, the, the revelation that they had? All right, yeah, so um, we, we already knew that these ants sequester minerals from their environment, which they then incorporate specifically on the edges of their jaws. Um, and previously, it was thought that the, uh, the zinc atoms on the edge of the jaws were sort of just dispersed in chunks, just sort of along it. But it turns out they're actually dispersed um, very uniformly throughout like a single area, which makes it like a much thinner, like more of like an actual cutting blade. Yeah, like it, like I guess... Not, I don't know if intentional is the word because like they're not like designing know, it that way. But, but like, like it's not so like hodgepodgey. Like you know, it's just like some zinc here, some zinc there. It's like this is this is going in for the purpose of cutting. Yes, because there are some other animals with that sequester metals, which they use to like further piercing ability or cutting and things like that. Um, and most of them, I don't think it's like quite as uniform. Um, it's been found in various ant teeth, um, some spider fangs. Uh, scorpion singers in the jaws of uh, some marine worms yeah so really i think the beaver is probably the cutest of the metal teeth critters more so than these ants for sure 
don't know. Bobbit worms are cuddly. <laughs> One thing that they they uh, the team did estimate is that the uh, the in- zinc infused teeth allow it to cut and puncture using only 60% of the energy and muscle mass it would need to if it did not have that. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think they definitely spend a lot of their time cutting leaves, as the name would suggest. So saving that 60% of energy right there really allows them to probably operate a lot longer since they're all out there helping out the colony. They are a really awesome insect. They culture fungus underground with it, which is crazy. Like, they farm. So they're scientist ants. Yes. Metal-jawed scientist ants. I wonder if the other ants think of them as like the wise dwarf race that's like under the earth and building things. <laughs> that's just those weird farming mushroom ants. Yes. I thought that was a pretty pretty uh, pretty cool little story, but we've got some Pokemon news to get through, Don. Yes, we do. So first, we have a release date for the 23rd Pokemon movie on Netflix, Secrets of the Jungle. Which um, I think that ties into a giveaway, right? It does, yes. So October eighth is the um, is the release date on Netflix for Secrets of the Jungle with Zarud and Coco. Now, the what I saw is that Coco or Celebi. Well, the movie has Coco in it. Oh, okay. The giveaway is Celebi, right? Yes, yes. So okay, they're doing they're doing a giveaway in Sword and Shield where you can get shiny Celebi, and I guess the technical word for it is Dada Zarud. Uh, basically Zarud wearing like a scarf, but in all the promotional materials, it's referred to as Dada Zarud, which is weird, but... <laughs> well, anyways, if you want Dada Zarud and Shiny Celebi, uh, if you got your Zarud before, I'm pretty sure it's the same method where you had to be signed up for the Trainers Club where you got the emails, but uh, if you haven't done that, uh, it says that you have to be signed up for the Trainers Club uh, notifications by September 25th, and that the monsters are emailed to uh, emailed out on October 7th. So you can get them before the movie. So there's that news. Then we also have in Pokemon Go, uh, we have a couple new additions, which is uh, Inky. We're recording on Wednesday. Inky was actually released today. Oh, I saw it on my... You know what? I didn't realize that. I saw it on, I saw it on my nearby today, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize Inky was in the game. So yeah. apparently it wasn't. Inky was just dropped today, and you evolve it by turning your phone upside down. Just the good old the good old ways. I could only imagine if that was a method of evolving your Pokemon back in like Gen One when I was a barely literate child. Yeah. And there was no there was no internet yet to like really discuss the that would have been impossible. That's like it sounds like a playground rumor on how to get a Mew or something. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I kind of wish they had done something like that, but. Uh, no, Inky's in the game, which means Malamar's in the game. I think Malamar's going to be really good in the Battle League. Because stat, are stat dropping things, like, kind of meta right now in that? Uh, they are, but, but Malamar doesn't have... So basically... Oh, right, Mal- there's no abilities, right. Malamar's moveset in GBL is most likely going to level out as being Psycho Cut Fast Move, which is a great fast move, and then okay. uh, Foul Play and Superpower. That seems like that seems like it would be pretty good coverage, I it would is, imagine, in Pokemon Go. I'm seeing it's going to be... I think it'd be fine, better in Ultra. I, there's a lot of bugs running around in Great Does League. not like bugs. Yeah, and Galvantula is pretty big in... Uh... Now, I could see you doing a Malamar and G-Fisk and G line. Because G-Fisk would cover really well all those little pesky bugs. Right. Um, so it's doable. It's definitely doable, but you got to keep keep them away from those bugs. 
They also put out a new, I guess, artwork for when you load up the game. And on that cover art, they have Frufru, Dedene, and Phantom, which means we're getting my boy Trevenant in the game soon. So That's I'm exciting. Excited. I really like Trevenant. I'm, I'm excited for that. So a lot of stuff happening. Oh, and also Hoopa is in the game now. I caught my Yes, Hoopa there's the that quest, right? Yeah, did you get your Hoopa? Not quite yet. I'm, I think I've got like a couple more steps. Okay. I'm almost done now. Well, well, yes. Everyone go out, get your Hoopa. There's a, I'm not too crazy about the special research that gives you new missions like every week. I kind of just want to knock it all out at once, but I guess they want to drag it out for eight weeks. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But, all right. Well, we hit that news fast and furious, Don. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, not, not really, no. I think, I think I'm good on the Pokemon news right there. Let's just go right into the topic. Alright, yeah, so we started off with, again, that excellent tongue twister. So we know we're going to talk about seahorses. Yes. Seahorses, I think seahorses are kind of underrated, Don. They're a really cool fish, and, like, they are a fish. Some people are almost surprised that they're a fish. Yeah, they're they're a bony fish, right? They are, yeah. Um, which is the majority of fish outside of like your sharks and rays. Um, but yeah, they're just incredibly uniquely shaped fish. They're also, I believe, the slowest fish, probably a specific species, um, in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Because as you can tell by their their body design, they're really not meant for um any sort of real speed. Yeah. Well, they've got like one. They don't have a um, a tail fin. Correct. That's kind of not really a big propeller for them, but they've got a dorsal fin, I guess, for their main propulsion, and then they've got little like face fins for steering. Yeah, I believe that's their uh, their pectoral fins. That's the it's word I up for. That's the size. Yes. But you brought it. So they 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 are bony fish, but they don't have scales. They just have. Is it just like a skin that stretches out over some bony plates? Yeah, it's kind of like a hard, kind of almost leathery skin. I would imagine it it serves as a partially like defensive function, but a mm. lot of seahorses um. You know they trade. They did make a trade. They don't have a tail fin, but they do have a very, very nice prehensile tail, kind of mm-hmm. like a chameleon does, which they use to you know hold on the current or hold on the coral or grasses. They basically like they, they anchor themselves. Yes, um, and seahorses are very good at being very still. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them can actually change color, and but many seahorse species will have sort of a preferred host coral that they like. They very most closely match. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there was a species of pygmy seahorse that wasn't discovered until they brought in some coral samples and found a bunch of them on the coral. So they basically just have, like, really good camouflage. Yes. So he, seahorses are predatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually pretty uh, voracious. They need to eat quite a lot. I think I saw something of they need to eat, like, up to 30 times a day, and, like, babies need, like, 3,000 pieces of food. Yeah, I um, I, I volunteered at a few aquariums and stuff or helped out a uh, with some some farming things before with that and yeah baby seahorses are um like when i was volunteering at this aquarium this some of the seahorses had babies and it's it's a lot of and that's with aquarium resources so it was a lot easier than trying to do it yourself but they're definitely um very high maintenance you talked about them eating and so they they have little like vacuum snouts they just yes. do, they just suck up all their food uh, which what what I had read is that actually so they're they seahorses broke off from pipefish yes and what I was reading is that the sort of upright adjustment of the of the seahorse and its makeup actually allows it to have a greater uh, distance on its suction interesting 
uh, than, than, than a pipefish. I guess the verticality must have something to do with that then. That was the, the other difference between them and the pipefish is that, um, well, I guess a lot of other fish too, but seahorses are able to swim up vertically. Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so a lot of fish can't. Um, some fish, like oarfish can, but they're also weird. Oh, yeah, oarfish are super weird. I found the one I saw. It was a, it's one of the pygmy seahorses, uh, Hippocampus vargibanti, I think is how you say it. It's uh, so tiny, first of all, absolutely, um, half an inch to basically an inch, 1.06 inches. So that's one and a half to like two and a half and change centimeters. That's like, how do you even see it? Yeah, tiny. And yeah, one species wasn't found until it, um, it was brought in with some coral samples. So there's, pro- I really think there's probably just a ton more seahorses out there. And there's a lot of places you wouldn't think have seahorses do. Um, there are several species in Tampa Bay and of uh, pipefish. Well, so where where do you typically find seahorses? All right. So like most people's image of a seahorse is um like just very tropical kind of coral reef sort of. I mean, that's mostly like there's they do live in a they do live in some temperate waters. I and mean, they actually have been found in like European waters as well, like in the Thames estuary. There's several Mediterranean species. They're um, located all over the world, just not too, too high latitude. Mm-hmm. And there's some of the larger species. Um, there are some larger species that go a little more temperate with their water. Like there are some that mimic kelp, which is a more uh, temperate plant. Is that the, the leafy? Yeah, yeah, there's like the leafy and the weedy sea dragon, which okay. I believe are in the, either they're probably in the seahorse family directly or they're, um, oh, so yeah, they're all within the family um, Sigantidae. So mm-hmm. sea dragons, which I think are the weedy guys, are yes. So that's the weedy sea dragon. So very same overall family. What's the difference between a seahorse and a sea dragon? I think it might be the tail. Okay. Um. Also, like seahorses, they do exhibit. Um. The males will carry the eggs after he fertilizes them. The female lays them in a special pouch, mm-hmm. which they then carry around and later sort of give birth to them. I say the, the the male seahorses do the birthing. Yes. There's also I uh, I know there's some seahorses that don't necessarily carry they carry the eggs around like in a like a basically like a little sack on their tails. Yes, there are not every seahorse does do the um like the pseudo pregnancy thing. Yeah. But yeah, I believe part of the seahorse is uh the prehensile tail is mm-hmm. is because I don't think the sea dragons can do that. The defining feature. Well, if you were to look at the Pokemon between like horsey and the or uh like horsey Kingdra line and then ending up with like Dragalge. Yeah, well, Dra- Dra- uh, Skrelp and Dragalge are both clearly based on uh, the Weedy Sea Dragon and the Leafy Sea Dragon. And then the Horsey Lion is sort of a more traditional tropical seahorse. Yeah. Um, the, the ones we have here in Tampa are kind of, I think we have at least two. Um, they're just sort of, they, they, they hang out in seagrass. They're green and brown. Mm-hmm. They're really neat, but they're not quite super visually striking. Yeah. They're not like those bright yellow ones or... Yeah. But now, seahorses are very delicate yes they are very um yeah their their bodies are kind of fragile despite the fact that they do have that sort of hard bony skin i i saw that they um can become fatally exhausted in stormy waters yeah that's actually a big um a big deal with seahorses if they're knocked too far off like their reef and they have to just open swim um they also probably won't be an effective feeding area for them so the lack of the food that they can become exhausted very quickly um most people that keep seahorses in like aquaria and there's actually a lot of captive bred seahorses these days um which is kind of cool mm-hmm. but a lot of people that keep them in an aquaria use a very um either have lots and lots and lots of structure but also either very low or almost no current and and be- because of that delicateness there's a lot of a lot of that happens in like the fishing industry they they are an unintended consequence of 
uh, a lot of the fishing practices from what I saw. I think I was reading that like about 37 million a year get taken up indiscriminately with fishing gear. Yeah. So there's, so there are so many species of seahorse, but many of them are in very like vulnerable areas. So the ones that like, um, like say your non-coral reef seahorse, they like grass beds or sort of like semi-rocky environments, which grass beds are typically very fish heavy. And basically, you know, if there's fish there, there's food there, there's food for fish. There's probably some food for seahorses in most bottom environments. Yeah. So, um, like shrimp nets are dragged along muddy bottoms, probably definitely get some seahorses that way. Mm-hmm. And then your reef dwelling seahorses are also, uh, damaged, potentially damaged by nets or a collection for the pet trade. And then on top of that too, you, you mentioned the, the, the net dragging, like even if a seahorse were to escape the net that I feel like the net would just kind of, Oh, they would be, they would most likely not be in very, very good shape after that. Yeah. But it's, it's a little sad because, you know, there, there's this cool little critter and they're just kind of getting caught up in like just caught up in things. And then the like, whatever happens with the rest of them, whether some are sold for pets, souvenirs or ground up for traditional medicines for like boosting vitality or curing impotence, they get kind of tossed into that uh, once they get brought up. Um, as a whole, I mean, it's, it's a very like diverse group, mm-hmm. um, but there are, so one, they're kind of difficult to study, mm-hmm. um, or they can be, if they live in like very, you know, grassed up or, um, you know, deep in coral, like the one species that people were looking for, it was a, in a pretty highly researched area, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just never found for years. So like, yeah. one, it's hard to get accurate popula- population counts on them. There was a seahorse discovered that was called the paradoxical seahorse. And now we're not sure if it still exists or not. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, it's called the paradoxical seahorse. Well, so it's, it's, its existence was a paradox. Yes. I guess some, like, some of the more like aesthetically pleasing seahorses are so often the ones most hard hit. Oh yeah. Well, that's with a lot of creatures. Yeah. Cause then they also suffer from the pet trade, but particularly seahorses there as they're vulnerable to fishing. Yeah. Um, bycatch. Yeah. It's saying, I was reading one thing saying 37 million individuals, which I think you said earlier. Yeah. And like irresponsible collection practices for um seahorses in the wild still do exist even though captive breeding's gotten a lot better yeah and um a lot of places they'll use like poisons to just stun all the fish in the area and then like hope they all get better when they ship them off that doesn't sound like a very solid plan it is not um so definitely if you do want a seahorse for the aquarium definitely do your research and make sure you get a captive bred one but they are they are pretty cool mm-hmm. and the captive breds also do a much um they do much, much better in captivity. Seahorses can be very finicky if mm-hmm. they were only eating, say, a certain type of prey out in the wild. Yeah. Don, before we move on to our, our next fish, you brought up uh, chameleons with the prehensile tail. Yes. Do you know what other feature they share with the chameleon? It's the eyes, right? Yes. It's their, their independent eyes. Which, if you think about it, does make a lot of sense given their, um, their face structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would make sense they would want to have really good depth perception, sort of zero in with that snout, and the ability to face their eyes forwards and down it, while also um, you know, checking for predators, making sure they're staying within whatever their little hidey substrate is of choice is probably huge for them. Also, just not it minimizes movement, which they don't really like to do. Yeah, no, they can they can basically turn their head without having to turn their head. Which, when you try to be a piece of coral, like that's a really key thing is to not turn your head around. <laughs> coral doesn't turn its head. Yeah. That is a fact about coral. Don, we covered a lot on seahorses. Why don't you hit us with some puffer fish? Yeah, I'll throw out a few real quick because I know we spent a while on that one. But um, so puffer fish, I think they're awesome. Mm. Um, it is uh, Tetrodontidae is their family, which um, I 
it means like four teeth on um, this because it's sort of a beak at the front of their mouth that's composed of surprise surprise four teeth i be- our only puffer fish in quotation marks pokemon is quillfish right yes yeah so quillfish is the spiky guy um he's technically a porcupine fish which is diodon today mm-hmm. which are also sometimes called blowfish or balloonfish or globefish um are technically not in the same family as your standard puffer fish the tetrodon today but um they share some of them they some of them share the um poison um with the actual puffer fish which is the uh tetrodon toxin which is the basically just the puffer fish toxin mm-hmm. um and i'm sure you've heard of the um i think it's fugu it's it's or it's, it's, it's in japan but there's quite a few spots where some of the species of the puffer fish um are a delicacy Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one's actually called like the Fugu Puffer, and it's sort of um, one of the main ones. And a big part of that is uh, because the poison is concentrated in the, I think it's like behind the eyes, like the liver and like the gonads mainly. Yeah. Tetra- it's for, it's a uh, tetrodotoxin, right? Tetrodotoxin, that's right. It's a, uh, for the, qu- the quick and dirty on tetrodotoxin is that it's a mux- muscle relaxant. So in heavy doses it'll stop your diaphragm and you won't breathe yeah it relaxes all your muscles yeah to like the not good stage yeah it's not yeah so um there's it's it's like sort of an art to be able to serve it i think chefs go through a pretty rigorous training thing i would imagine and um there's you know meats very carefully trimmed and i have i have tried puffer fish not of that sort of variety Mm -hmm. and i did think it was pretty good so um, I, I would imagine that it'd be pretty tasty. I'm not sure if I'd go all the way to the fugu route, but so the the, the ballooning aspect of these of these fish, the porcu- porcupine one too. How does that work? Yes. So um, so puffers are honestly a really interesting fish, including the porcupine. Um, it kind of lets them compensate because the fact that they they're just not they're not fast and their bodies aren't particularly threatening, despite that kind of terrifying beak. Um, but they'll basically just gulp water into their stomach. Um, until they're almost like spherical. Everyone's seen the puffer, and all puffers have like a little bit of sort of pointing spines, sort of not really as crazy distinct as like the porcupine fish, who kind of goes overkill with it. Most of a puffer's predators don't have sharp teeth. I mean, there's a few where it's more of a problem, but mm-hmm. their skin's very tough as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say something like maybe a grouper that would try to swallow one whole when it's a nice, convenient fish shape, um, and it's suddenly just a sphere like the size of a basketball with some of the larger species or bigger. Yeah. Um, it's almost impossible for a fish that doesn't have sharp teeth to get one down so if a fish if that were to would that is that fish just dead um they could theoretically choke on them um or they eventually just spit it out and the puffer take floats around as a ball a bit longer and then they'll spit out the water and zip off they can also choke if they swallow it partially um and then there's always the hint if they do eat the puffer they then die from the tetro- or from the toxin really really sticking it to the predators the puffer fish and they're, they're really cool they're um they're pretty intelligent Mm-hmm. At least I feel like I've seen them. Uh, uh, they like they've been shown to kind of do some puzzles, react to stimuli. They seem to be be a bit craftier. They're pretty curious. Um, they can be pretty pretty big jerks in the aquarium, and I think out in the wild, like they'll try to bite you. Um, but they're a really sweet fish. I would like to get some more pufferfish Pokemon. Yeah, I used to have a scar from a pufferfish actually when I used to clean aquariums. One just decided to he was like the tank bully. Um, and he decided to swim over and take a bite. And there are actually a few freshwater species of pufferfish. So catching quillfish in the uh, freshwater, I think it's in Gen 2, when, like, I didn't know quillfish existed initially when aren't I was a they, kid. Aren't they bra- don't they live in brackish water? Yes, but there are a few species that will go full fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Fahaka puffer, which I do think are pretty sharp, um, 
are uh, I think they're also called the I think they're from like the Nile area. Yeah, but they are I believe will go full fresh. And there's a few others, but mainly there are saltwater and there are a few brackish species. What you're telling me is that you got bullied by a fish. Oh yeah, no, they're jerks. Some of them get big too, and they have a very strong bite. Their beaks are for cracking uh, like shells, yeah. snails. I can't imagine getting bit by a fish. Oh, real quick, do you know about the artistic puffer fish? That's not his actual. Oh, name. the one that makes the really pretty nests. Yes. It's, it's isn't it like the white bellied. White spotted, I believe. White spotted, the white okay. spotted pufferfish makes these beautiful nests in the sand. Yeah, definitely, it's it's definitely worth a Google. Uh, everybody listening, it's part of their mating ritual. Oh, also, dolphins have been seen um, passing pufferfish around in an attempt to, I guess, get to- maybe they get intoxicated from nibbling on them. Is a, a potential theory for it, or that they're fun to squeeze, I guess. Or they're dolphins do love playing with balls. Maybe not spiky ones that can poison you, but hey, maybe they're just getting high. On the note of high dolphins, let's go to the Pokemon, Don. Yeah. Okay, so we started with seahorses, and we'll take this pretty pretty easily. So we'll start with Horsey and Seedra. And I guess kind of Kingdra too, but Kingdra's a little, got a little bit more mythology with it. Got um, a little bit more mythology. Um, it's sort of head frills make me think maybe a little bit more... Uh, like sea dragon, I think I think the whole sea dragon thing in addition to mythology maybe sort of spawned the Kingdra. Yeah. Well, so well, let's start with the the babies though. Horsey and Seedra are kind of your quintessential uh, seahorses. It's so weird because it says in the same for the same creature it says it's not a good swimmer and it is a good swimmer. And its ability is swift swim. But there was a dex entry that's basically talked about how Horsey would uh, make anchor with its tail. Yes, uh, and just like sit like like seahorses use its prehensile tail. Oh, also, I forgot horsey's whole thing is it also spits ink. Seahorses don't do that. Yeah, that's very uh, squiddy. Uh, that yes. was a that was a creative liberties. Horsey also can move in any direction or swim in any direction. Uh, it even has a, a dex entry where it talks about it eats small insects and moss. Uh, oh, there it is. If the ocean current turns fast, the Pokemon anchors itself by wrapping its tail around rocks or coral to prevent being washed away. That's it. Yeah. So, Horsey, very cute, very, very delicate. Uh, and then Seedra's just kind of... Oh, wait, real quick. Horsey, I will say, mm-hmm. um, in height, is not actually outside the realms of some of the largest seahorse species. How big is it? It is one foot four. So, like, and some of the largest species, like, there's uh, the, the pot-bellied seahorse. I think it's um, up to 14 inches, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty big. Um, so that's not too far, but, uh, horsey weighs about 17 pounds. That would be kind of neat, but also kind of scary. They're going to need to eat a lot more food then. Yeah. So moving on to Cedradon, one of the questions I want to ask for you is it talks about the poisonous barbs on Cedra. Yes. Are there any seahorses with that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Well, the, some, some bits in the, in the decks that I like is one, it, uh, in Crystal, it actually talks about the male raising the young. Yes, that's good. Oh, in black and white, it has its spines provide protection, which is true, and its fins and bones are prized as traditional medicine ingredients, which is also pretty on the nose. Let's Go mentions it, uh, hooking itself to stay in place as well. Yeah, and in Ruby, it says that it will wriggle itself between branches of coral, which you talked about the seahorses being able to camouflage themselves within coral. Yes. Um, and then it says that people trying to harvest coil will get stung by the poisonous barbs. Some of them will hang out in uh, venomous coral, though. There you go. Like, Horsey and Cedra, they're just 
pretty on the nose seahorses. I think my yeah. my favorite deck entries though are the gold and silver ones when they introduced Kingdra because every single one of them ends, it's trying to tease it right. Every single one ends with it became a hot topic. Yeah. An examination of its cells revealed the presence of a gene not found in horsey. It became a hot topic. It's really funny. Like and subscribe to find out what it is. Um, Another Pokemon I didn't know existed until it was in the Intei and Unknown movie. Yeah. That one girl got a Kingdra, and I was like, oh, that's a cool made-up. I was like, oh, she imagined a Pokemon. That's neat. And then, like, I learned it was real. But Kingdra, I think, is when we get a little bit more into mythology with seahorses because seahorses are are do pop up a lot in mythos all over the world yeah they're um i mean if you think like they're such a crazy looking animal yeah um and you get back to like you know greek gods being depicted riding seahorses well they they pulled poseidon's chariot chariot right yeah um there's been some things from ancient turkey uh in roman mosaics but the uh the one that so you talked about their their family which is hippocampus Yes, which means water horse. Uh, right now, that's hippopotamus. No, it means uh, it means horse sea monster. Yes, sorry, I, I got out of the other hippo thing. Uh, the other hippo thing. It's such a great naming system. I'm a big fan of it. It's also, I mean, that's the hippocampus is part of your brain because they looked at it and they were like, "Wow, that looks like a seahorse." Yeah. In Greek mythology, the ones pulling. Poseidon's chariot were called hippocampi, hippocampus, hippocampi. Is that the plural? Yes, I believe, right. I think so. But the one bit in Kingdra's deck entries that pops up a lot is how it sleeps on the floor of the ocean and creates giant whirlpools. That makes me think of one specific figure from particularly Greek mythology. Which, how familiar are you with the Odyssey? Um, I've read it before, but it's been a while. You read it when it was required in high school, probably? And once before that. Okay. Do you remember, uh, Charybdis? Yes. Skill and Charybdis, the whirlpool, and the- yes, 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 yes. That makes me, like, that just screams Charybdis to me. Is this, like, creature at the bottom of the ocean that just, like- breathes in and creates whirlpools that suck things down i am i always imagine them though looking more like guzzlord oh no that that definitely kingdra is way more visually appealing than than any actual description of charybdis yes okay it is uh, yeah i i think some movie did it and it was like some big giant slug thing like a um, big sea yeah cucumber. maybe i just never gave Kingdra the respect it deserved because I always thought it was just kind of like, oh, it's an, it's the next uh, Cedra, but its dex entries make it sound like majestic and rare and almost mythical. Yeah, it's it's got really cool um, causes tornadoes and waves can make whirlpools by yawning. I mean, it says it lives in the ocean floor where there is like nothing else there. Yeah, um, Kingdra is, I really think it's really cool. It's a really cool Pokemon. I would wish it almost got a stat buff. Um, it Getting Hurricane was pretty sweet for it. Um, it deserved to have Hurricane. It's just a really cool mod. And water. I think Water Dragon typing is one of the best dragon typings. It is an excellent typing. Now that we've covered the seahorses, or or the this or the this particular branch of them, why on earth do they get Swift Swim? I don't know, because we were it was early on, so they made abilities in Gen three. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, from because Gen One had a ton, and I think Gen Three had quite a few. There's like was a disproportionate amount of water types, and they were also hyping weathers, because we got weathers in Gen Two, but Gen Three was like 
more weathers because it was sort of the theme of the game. So I think they made a lot of early Swift Swim Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I think there's quite a few chlorophylls early on as well. My thinking is basically whenever I think of how the, the seahorse Pokemon are depicted, it always just sounds like seahorse fanfic. Yeah, you're right. If there was like some sort of Sonic the Hedgehog thing with seahorses. Like it's like this is what a seahorse imagines its superheroes to look like. Yeah, Kingdra. Yeah, right. That's 100%. Just a really fast version of itself that's just like messing stuff up. But that's the, those are the, the I guess, the traditional seahorses. So we'll move into... Yeah, I'm looking at the first, sorry, three gens of uh, grass mons now to see about chlorophyll. And there are a ton of them have chlorophyll as well. I think part of it was just... um. They were just hyping that new... The new weather. Groudon and Kyogre, big, you know, deathmatch and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, because after that, like, Gen 4, only, like, one thing gets chlorophyll. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. So it's definitely, um, I think they were hyping weather a bit. Yeah. So... I guess we'll get the other sea dragons, uh, and we'll, we're going to talk about Skrelp and Dragalge. Yes. Uh, Skrelp as a whole is actually pretty similar to Horsey in how it talks about it. It camouflages itself in seaweed. Um, it uses its tail. Um, it talks about, yeah, clings to seaweed, removes per- perfectly. So it does say seaweed's its favorite food source, which I think there are no herbivorous seahorses. Mm, that's, Yeah. And it's also a poison typings, which we've already talked about, unless there are poison sea dragons. I don't think so. It does say it camouflages as rotten kelp, and rotten kelp is bad for you, probably, mm-hmm. so maybe that. They're really cool. I think a poison dragon is a sweet typing. But the, you were talking about these ones were more uh, leafy dragon, right? Or weedy. Weedy um, dragon. And they're, they're, those are some cool-looking fish. If you look at that, the Wheaties have the thin, the thinner things, and the Leafy's got the bigger leaves, I think. Okay. And Dragalge's definitely got that kind of leafy aspect going on in its design. Yeah. I think the Leafy is maybe a little more, like, fancy. Yeah. Now, Dragalge itself also, I mean, this ties into the whole aspect. We were talking about Kingdra, where they were kind of hyping it up. But it, it's like you have it saying that its poison is eating through the hull of tankers. Yeah. And ships disappearing when they go into Dragalge's territory. The uh I think my my favorite I love when they make the the Pokemon uh work with other Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, and both Skrelp and Dragalge talk about how it gets along really well with Delmise. Yeah, cuz they all get to hang out and be like little creepy under the sea family. Well, that's what, like in Ultra Sun it says uh for whatever reason it gets along really well with Delmise and it's like we know the reason. Yeah. <laughs> They're crashing ships together. Yeah, Delmise is like oh boy, more things to live on as a creepy kelp than I am. And Skrulp is just like I'm just going to eat the kelp that goes bad on you and we're going to and my big daddy Dragalge is going to crash a uh, a ship for you. Yeah, honestly, I can't get over how scary Delmise is. Oh, I remember we talked about Delmise last year. That was there, it talks about how it catches large waylords and drains their life force by using its anchor chain. It can it, uh, explicitly says it can Oko a waylord. Yeah. Because that grass typing man. Triple stab. It's such a cool Pokemon. I kind of want to try to mess with Delmise now. Uh, but yeah, Dragology also, I kind of thought it was, a, I, I thought it was kind of lame when I first saw it, but Dragology has grown on me a little bit. I like it a lot. Um, I'm glad they gave it adaptability because it makes it like kind of good. Mm. I think it's also, I think it's better 
in Pokemon Go than it is in, or it's more usable in Pokemon Go than it I is would in highly agree with that. But all right, Don Quillfish in its in its uh, decks right off the bat talks about how it sucks in water to inflate itself. Yeah, that's pretty dead on. Um, also, Quillfish is probably not out of the realm of possibility for some of the larger porcupine fish species. Um, so one foot eight, which it's a sphere, so I guess that's easy enough, mm-hmm. and about eight pounds. Yeah. Not that, not that egregious. And it also has swift swim, which is fun because it's also an incredibly slow fish. Yeah. Don't they make like, can't they make like quick short bursts? Yeah, they do little bursts of speed. Yeah. Um, much faster than a seahorse, but if you compare it to another fish's burst of speed, it wouldn't be that great. Okay, so just um, relative. Intimidate and hidden ability, as the hidden ability is a good one. Um, poison point is an all right ability. It fits the fish um, since they are poison type, even though I think most of the poison with your puffers is internal. Mm. I really wish they gave it flip turn. It'd be so good. Yeah. Well, they can't make it too strong, Don. We can't, I know. Can't but make every, it every, grass, every water type that won in flip turn didn't get flip turn. Mudkip, or not Mudkip, Swampert with flip turn is fine. Swampert's actually cool with it. Um, there's a few others. But the, uh, the Quillfish, one bit of uh, creative licensing is that it uses the pressure from it, the water it swallowed to shoot toxic spikes. That's right. That's sweet. <laughs> Very sweet, but not real. Oh, so several, there's several entries here talking about how it's bad at swimming. And they gave it swift swim. Black and white says it shoots poison spines from its body in all directions. Its round form makes it a poor swimmer. So they knew pretty much from the jump that this thing should not have it. And the, yeah, well, wait, Ruby and Sapphire is also when they first brought in Swift's abilities. That had to be a fun joke for them. Like, yeah, the, yeah it's, they gave it, they, they announced it was bad at swimming and then they gave it Swift Swim. This just, this isn't even them, like, contradicting the real world. This is them contradicting themselves. I really appreciate, though, that they gave this Pokemon Intimidate because that's the whole point of sucking in the water. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're, the fit, like the puffer fish or porcupine fish, like that's that's why they they do what they do is they try to make themselves seem bigger than they are. Inedible. Inedible. You know, scare. Like you don't want you don't want this. You don't want it to fight this, or you don't want this in your throat. Either way, don't mess with me. Absolutely. But no, quillfish is cool. It's just a little. What what makes it? I guess it it's. I don't know if I would say it's designed on. Is it just perpetually? inflated i guess so like what does a non-ballooned quillfish look like we so so we actually see them so in pokemon snap when they come up on a whalemur they balloon but they just balloon up more okay so i guess this is their relaxed state this is their they're just at a constant state of stress yeah they're just panicking yeah oh that's right i forgot about the the quillfish in, in pokemon snap and the whale lord that just bullied everything under the sea. Or Whalemer, not Whale Lord. Whale Lord did his own thing. Yeah, he hung out. We hit a we hit a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different mons, Don, so let's uh let's head to the wrap up. Let's wrap her up. Alright everyone. Well, thank you again for joining Don and me for another trip under the sea. Maybe one day, Don, we will have covered all of the fish that Pokemon chooses to just to touch on. If anything holds true, we're probably going to get a lot of water ones in the next generation. So I th- it's, that's how it's looking. But um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We are actually coming up on 
our fourth birthday as a show. I've only been here for about a year and a half now at this point. Don, you're what, two years? I think so, just about that. Yeah, uh, but uh, we're, we're coming up on four years, and I know that uh, we've put out on social media a, uh, a way for you all to suggest Pokemon that you would like us to uh, do a quick little cover on for our birthday episode that's coming up. So if you can find that, uh, I'm sure Lucas will share it some more on social media as we come up. I think we've got maybe another week or two uh, open for suggestions. Um, but just send us some some mons that you want us to talk about, um, even if they're ones we've maybe talked about in the past then you just haven't missed that episode because we've got four years' worth of episodes to go through. But uh, go, you know, find us on social media, find that document and, and send us uh, send us what you want us to talk about. We're I think we're all really looking forward to, to doing that episode, Don. Absolutely. I, I think it's going to be a fun time. So on that note, um, I will just say thank you again for listening. Uh, if you want if you're able to and want to uh, support the show, we do have our Patreon page that's linked in our show notes. If there are other ways to also support the show, one of which, which we always talk about but is very helpful is uh, leaving a review in your podcasting app of choice. It helps others find our show and find uh, 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 find our show and grow our audience base. Uh, and also sharing them with your friends, sharing them on your social media. It kind of just helps the show get out there and you know, you know word of mouth spreads and it's how we've continued to grow. Um, we'll have to check with Lucas, Don, because I think we were almost about to pass our record of downloads for last year but like three months before the end of the year i think so so i'm excited to hit that mark maybe we'll get it on our birthday episode which would be very nice and special that would be very exciting so on that note thank you all so much for listening have a wonderful day or night as lucas says we'll catch you next time bye (laughs)